We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. It's Wednesday morning, November 3rd, and the domestic terrorists, the angry mothers and fathers, the indignant parents in the state of Virginia, have forced the politicians, the leaders of Old Dominion to recognize reality. Moms and dads who care for the hearts, minds, and souls of their sons and daughters have walked over and put their feet in the fire of what is real. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. Well, as you know, if you watch politics at all, Glenn Youngkin is now the governor of the state of Virginia. It appears right now that the indignant moms and dads, the angry mothers and fathers, those of you who care about the hearts, minds, and souls of your children, those who have risen up and said, wait a second, wait a second, you're not going to continue to lie to my kid. You're not going to continue to teach him that a man can pretend to be a woman. You're not going to continue to try to indoctrinate her that you should be judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. No, we will not continue to allow you to peddle pornography to our elementary age children, or even our high school kids for that matter. It appears that those are the people that have swung this election, that have elected Glenn Youngkin, and even, not just Yunkin, as you know, there's a, there appears to be a conservative sweep. Conservative as in Republicans. Now, I want to give you this caveat right now. In fact, I doubt anybody in the state of Virginia is listening to me, but if you are right now, let me say this. If you're a parent that voted the right way to regain control of your kids, to protect your constitutional rights to have sanity in your leadership, people that actually believe in science, believe that Title IX is a joke unless women are real, believe that kids should be taught how to count and that two plus two is four. It's not a postmodern construct, and you can't make up any number as the sum total of that equation. If you want your kids to be taught that our founding documents are actually good and that America is exceptional, and we shouldn't be despised, that America, this nation, this constitutional republic, has given people more freedom than any other nation in the history of the world, and that, no, we're not perfect, but our our kids should be taught why. Why do you enjoy more freedom here than you would elsewhere? In a In a Muslim nation, for example, you enjoy more freedom here than there. Why do you enjoy more freedom here in the United States than you would in Russia or Red China or North Korea? Why? Why do you enjoy more freedom than you would even in European countries such as France 
and Spain. Why? Our, our, our children should be taught that freedom is good and that it's a first thing. They should be taught that morality is important and that they should control themselves and that they shouldn't be defined by their passions. Yes, parents in Virginia have risen up and defended their kids. They've said, no, you won't sacrifice my child to your modern-day mullock any longer. No, we won't allow you to brainwash them with critical race theory. We won't allow you to brainwash them with the neo-Marxism of Black Lives Matter. We won't allow you to brainwash them with your LGBTQIA alphabet soup of subjective lunacy. No, we won't allow you to do that anymore. Parents have risen up. The deplorables have risen up. The domestic terrorists have risen up and said no. But don't rest. Don't rest too easy. Because here in Oklahoma, we know that being the reddest of red states is no guarantee that sanity will prevail unless you continue to speak your mind and express yourself with boldness and clarity and courage. Don't rest on your laurels. We know that just because a person puts an R behind their name doesn't mean that they're truly conservative. I'm not saying that about Glenn Youngkin. Not at all what I'm saying that, about that. It's part of the human makeup that you can convince yourself that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm conservative, I'm a Republican, I, I, I'm going to support your values. But then when you get in office, you start enjoying the power and you start ignoring those conservative principles. And the only thing that's going to keep people true to their promises that they made on the campaign trail is you, you, the domestic terrorist, the parents, the moms and dads, the people who care enough to say, no, we want you to protect the lives of our kids. We want you to protect the minds of our kids, and we will not tolerate you compromising or corrupting any of that. You, you need to hold their feet to the fire. The heat, the reality of what you just said is important. Don't rest. Turn up the heat. Don't let the fire go cold. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So today's topic is obviously a celebration of the victory of Glenn Youngkin in the state of Virginia and the fact that he's been elected governor. It's a celebration that the moms and dads in the state of Virginia the deplorables, the rubes, those that the left says lack gray matter, that you rose up, that these domestic terrorists, as they're labeled by the National School Board Association and the White House, because the White House actually helped the National School Board Association write their letter declaring that those of you who are rising up and going to school board meetings and expressing your indignation and saying, no, we won't allow you to teach this stuff to our kids any longer, 
are somehow domestic terrorists and that the FBI should be called in to investigate you. Well, the moms and dads in the state of Virginia told all of these elites that were saying this nonsense to to, to back off, to go behind sand. They rose up and they elected Glenn Youngkin as a symbol of their frustration. And I celebrate that. That, that, that shows we've still got some people in the United States with common sense. That, uh, as in the story of Genesis, when Abraham pleaded with God not to destroy Sodom for the sake of just ten good people, if ten good men could be found left in the city of Sodom, God said he would spare the city. The entire city, not just the ten. But unfortunately, in that case, there weren't. Well, apparently, we still have at least ten good people left in the city of Sodom. We have 10 good people left in the nation, in America, in Virginia, that have risen up and said, no, no, we won't allow you to continue to butcher our kids' hearts, minds, and souls in your grisly experiment in social justice political correctness, in wokeness. We won't allow you to continue to use our kids as pawns in your march to resurrect Marxism and the control that it represents. No, we won't allow that. And that's a celebration. But it's also a word of... uh, Caution? No, I don't think the word is caution. I think it's um, be alert. Be alert. Don't assume that all is well right now. You stepped into the fire of reality. You stood there in the searing heat of what was being taught to your kids. You didn't deny it. You didn't walk away from the fire. You stepped into it and it woke you up. It made you realize that, that pain of standing in the pornography, in the Marxism, in the racism of everything that's being taught in our public schools, that pain of standing in that fire of reality woke those parents up, and it was that shock of pain that allowed them to do what was right and to avoid being mesmerized into complicity by the mainstream media and by the politicians like Barack Obama and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who all came to the state of Virginia and tried to continue to keep the people down, hold them down, keep them from rising up, get away from the fire of what's real, and step back into the comfort zone of our lies, our deceptions. That's really what Barack Obama was saying when he tried to tell everybody that the culture wars are fake. He actually said that, that it's a trumped-up charge. What nonsense. Well, What I want to say in the rest of the show is that's great that the parents stepped into the fire, but they need to continue to turn up the heat. They need to hold those that they've elected, hold their feet to the fire so that they feel the pain of what's real and that they can't just sit back and rest in their own delusions of power that they now have because they've been elected to public office. No, you need to hold their feet to the fire as you continue to stand there next to it, feeling its burning reality. 
There's a story in the Chronicles of Narnia, and I know some of you, uh, please don't roll your eyes and say, there he goes again. He's talking about a book that I haven't read. Well, I encourage you to consider reading the Chronicles if you haven't. Yeah, they're children's books. C.S. Lewis wrote them for kids, the seven-book series called the Chronicles of Narnia. And you've heard of it, I think. Surely you've heard of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It was turned into a great movie. And you also heard of The Voyages of Prince Caspian and The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. That was a movie also. Well, there's another book. It's called The Silver Chair. It's the sixth book in the series. And even if you haven't read the books, listen to what I'm going to say right now. I'll explain to you this analogy because it's very pertinent to this issue of standing in the burning reality, the burning fire of what's going on in your culture and not walking away from it into your own comfort zone. Not allowing the politicians to spin their yarn, to mesmerize you with what's fake, to tell you stuff that you know just doesn't make any sense, but yet you allow them to do so because you just don't want to get involved. Don't do that. Continue to turn up the heat. This analogy of fire is very important. C.S. Lewis talks about it in The Silver Chair. You see, here's, here's the plot. They're, the kids, the Narnian kids, are on an adventure. Where they're going doesn't matter for the sake of what I'm saying right now. They're on an adventure, and the Narnian kids are the good people in the stories. And the, the bad side, the evil side, is often represented by a witch, uh, there, there was a white witch in the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, and there's a green witch in the Silver Chair. Well, the bottom line is this. As the kids are on their adventure, they stumble across another character. His name is Puddleglum. And Puddleglum is a Narnian creature. He, he basically is a human, an elf of sorts, but he, he has interesting features. For example, his feet are large and webbed, because he lives in the marshes. That's why he's called a marsh wiggle. But it's really, look at him as another human being, a human being in the sense that he's an elf. Um, But he's a strange-looking elf. He's not short, necessarily. He's actually kind of tall and skinny, and he has webbed feet. He's portrayed as a nice person, but kind of a confused buffoon of sorts, not necessarily someone someone you would expect to be a leader. Well, here's the story. As the kids are on their journey, they go into a cave, and they discover in that cave uh, somebody has started a fire to illuminate it and keep it warm. As they're in the cave, all of a sudden the witch confronts them. And the witch starts casting a spell on the kids. She actually starts telling them that up is down and down is up that what they think is fake is actually real, and what they think is real is actually fake. She actually starts casting her spell upon them to the point that they're immobilized. They really can't do anything because they start believing the witch's lies. And the kids are mesmerized, and Puddle Glum, the marsh wiggle, is mesmerized, and all of this is going on, but all of a sudden, Puddle Glum screws up his courage And he forces himself to walk away from the witch's incantations. And he takes a couple steps toward the center of the cave because he recognizes that the fire is over there. 
and he actually puts his big webbed foot in the fire. He puts his foot in the fire, and the pain of putting his foot in that fire wakes him up. In the midst of the witch's lies and manipulations, Puddleglum, Puddleglum decided to fight back. And the way he did it, again, I'm repeating myself here, the way he did it is he got so close to what he knew was real. He got as close to it as he possibly could. He stepped in the fire. And here's what C.S. Lewis says. While the children were standing with their heads down, hung, their cheeks flushed, their eyes half closed, their strength all gone from them, the witch's incantations were almost complete. But Puddleglum desperately gathered all his strength and he walked over to the fire and with his bare foot he stamped on it and the pain itself made Puddleglum's head for a moment perfectly clear and he knew exactly what he really thought. And then Lewis says this, there is nothing like a good shock of pain for dissolving certain kinds of magic. My point in focusing on this analogy, this metaphor, this story of fire is this. The way to distinguish people, the way to distinguish between what is false and what is fake is to follow Puddleglum. Do you get my point? You and I, we must recognize, we've got to recognize that there are some things that are real and hot and true. And there are some things that are not. They're cold and fake and false. And we have to know the difference. We have to know the difference. And we, the way we do that is we get so close to reality that we feel its heat. We get as close as we possibly can you walk over and you put your foot in the fire of what's going on and stepping into the fire. Yeah, yeah, you step into the fire and it might hurt a little bit. But as C.S. Lewis says, there's nothing like a good shock of pain for dissolving certain kinds of magic. And Lewis ends this story. See, the, the kids were being bound. The, the witch, this emerald witch, this green witch, was going to bind them, confine them, keep them as slaves in her fake world, underneath her thumb and in her power and control. She was going to do that. That was her intent. So what did the kids accomplish? What did Puddleglum accomplish by putting his foot in the fire and experiencing the shock and pain of reality? Liberation, freedom, that's the result. That's the goodness of this story. They were, they were liberated from the darkness of the cave that they were in because they had the, the courage. They had the courage to pursue what was real, to step into it, not ignore it, and not be too easily satisfied to use Lewis's language again, with the chants and mantras of the witches of our culture. 
those that want to cast their spell on you. You know, this, this situation in Virginia, I think, is an exact parallel with what C.S. Lewis was telling us. And why did he paint these stories? Because he knew what was going on in the world. I mean, these aren't just fun stories. He's drawing parallels between the human experience and this, this experience of the kids in Narnia. He's saying that when you feel that you've been controlled, when you're in that dark spot in life, whether it be in Virginia or Oklahoma or Ohio or the culture at large, when the oppressive nature of the darkness of that cave that you're in and the people that are in power in that world continue to try to control you and put their thumb on you, put their foot on your neck, when they continue to lie to you and tell you this nonsense that's going on right now, when they tell you, like the mainstream media, they've lost their minds. They've lost their minds. What are they saying right now? They're saying that the people of Virginia were lied to by Glenn Youngkin. Are you serious? You just had Barack Obama lie to us by telling us that the culture wars are fake? You have people lying to us, telling us that critical race theory is not taught in our public schools? What world do you live in? Critical race theory is pervasive across the entire curriculum in almost every school in the land. That's why in the state of Oklahoma, our legislature actually had the sense to give Governor Stitt an opportunity to sign into law, and he did so, a bill that bans the teaching of critical race theory in Oklahoma because we don't want our kids taught to be racists, and that's exactly what CRD does. It teaches your kid to be a racist because by definition, when you're judging somebody by the way they look, by the color of their skin, by their nationality, you are a racist, and that's what critical race theory does. I mean, any, any lesson plan, any curriculum that teaches your kids to feel ashamed of who they are, their, their, their skin color, you really want that taught? And then when they turn around and deny that they're doing it, they're blatant liars. They lie to your elementary age children by telling them that their sex is fluid, that they can decide whether they're a boy or a girl. No, they can't. They can't can't decide to be a girl if they're a boy. You can buy that nonsense till the cows come home, but it's just not a fact. It's the complete and utter denial of the body. It's neo-gnosticism. It's saying that the body doesn't matter, that all that matters is what you have in your head. And if you make up a fairy tale in your head and pretend that it's real, then it is. That's what they're teaching your kids when it comes to sexuality and human identity. You can pretend that a baby isn't a human being five seconds before it's born all you want, but it's a human being. It has eyes. It has a nose. It has ears. It's sucking its thumb. It's kicking. It's pushing. It's moving. It has a heartbeat. It has a brain. It feels pain. And if all of that's not true, then why is Portland passing this bereavement law where you have several, I don't know what it is, several weeks of paid leave of bereavement if you've had an abortion? What are you bereaving? Do you get several weeks of paid leave if you have your tonsils out or if you have your appendix out? What if you have a wart removed? Do you get bereavement pay then because you had something removed from your body? 
from the outside or the inside? Well, that's what they're saying about a child, that it's nothing but a lump of tissue. So why should there be bereavement leave and pay for that? These people can't think their way out of a paper bag. They lie to themselves and they lie to you. And the solution, my point is this, in the last couple minutes of the show, the solution is this. You need to do what the people of Virginia just did. Walk over and put your foot in the fire. Feel the shock of pain of that reality. And don't recoil from it. Stand there in it. And then the people that want to be your leaders, that want your vote, hold their feet to the fire. Don't let them walk away. Back toward the witch and her lies. They will be tempted to, even when they're Republicans. Trust me, very few have the spine and the tenacity the wherewithal, the courage, the determination to stand there next to the fire, constantly feeling the heat of reality, the burning fire of what's true, of what's good, and what's beautiful. The facts of our existence, not the fantasies, not the mesmerizing incantations, that all of us seem to feel like are starting to control our culture. But there's hope. And the hope is this. There are still 10 good people in Sodom. And God gave us the story. I don't know if he promises to save a nation if there's only 10 good people left, but he said he would save Sodom if Abraham could find only 10. So I'm going to take that story to the bank. And I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to fight for the truth. I'm going to continue to stand right there next to the fire, in the fire, feeling its heat, even to the point of discomfort, to keep me awake so that I don't go to sleep. And I'm going to force anybody that wants to be a leader of my county, a leader of my state, a leader of my country, to stand there in the heat, and the burning reality of the fire with me. Congratulations, Virginia. You did what was right. Don't relent. Don't let up. Don't go complacent. Stand there and force those you just elected to stand there with you. As Luther said, here I stand. I can do no other. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.